as we get ready to look into the book of Revelation, I would encourage you to, over this next month, just take time to read it. You know, not just a part of your devotional time, but read it as part of your study time and just begin to to let it soak in. Just begin to let it um, penetrate your hearts because there is something special about the book of Revelation and and we're going to get into that. But I want to give a little background on it. Um, It was written by the Apostle John and uh, it helps the fact that he names himself in the book. Um, that he's writing three times in chapter one. And then even at the very end in chapter 22, verse eight, he says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. This is so important because when you are a witness to something, when you can testify about something, it is because of what you've seen and what you've heard. Even when John the Baptist was, was in prison and he was starting to doubt if Jesus was the Messiah, uh, you remember the story where the John the Baptist is in prison and he goes tells his disciples, go ask if Jesus is the one. And, and his disciples, you know, are, all right, let's go. And so they go up to Jesus and say, listen, uh, Jesus, your cousin wants to know if you're really the Messiah or, or should we expect someone else? And what does Jesus tell him? Go and tell John what you see and what you hear. What you see and what you hear, there's something powerful about seeing and witnessing and hearing what Jesus is speaking. And John says, I am the one who has seen these things and heard. So it's a, he's a personal witness to this book. He's the one who wrote it. Um, it was written in um, probably the late A.D., you know, 95, 96, around that time. Uh, it was written after the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was destroyed in around 70 AD where Rome just came and just destroyed the temple. And, and that was a pretty devastating time for the Jewish people. And so it was written after this. Uh, John was exiled to the island of Patmos under the reign of Domitia, uh, Tian, And uh, he's there exiled by this guy. And before his death, though, and, and Domitian was this ruler and he was a young guy. But before his death, this guy would, um, he, they would address him as master of, or master or God. I mean, this guy was really into himself. And, um, and the Roman historian uh, Eusebius writes that John returned from the island of Patmos after the death of Domitian. And what's interesting is that usually when someone gets exiled, they stay there until the, either the emperor dies or the one who put them there dies or they die and they they're removed from the island but the fact is is that Domitian being a younger guy was actually assassinated and um and so he died at a very young age and now John is released from the island so what's the purpose of the the for this book here what's the purpose of the book of revelation Well, it was here in the island of Patmos that John received the revelation from Jesus, and he was commanded to write the revelation down, to give it to the seven churches. And at the time, the churches themselves were suffering from horrible persecution and hardship. And in the midst of all of this, God gave the church this book, a realistic explanation as to why persecution is permitted and also a promise of triumph and reward. And so even in the hardships, God is trying to tell the church, hey, this message is good, that there's something good that's going to happen. Just hang in there. Now, just going to go off in a little technical aspect here this morning, not too long, but there are different ways to, that people have approached the book of Revelation over the years. 
you know, there's different types of interpretation. Some people like to do a spiritual or allegorical approach where there's a lot of symbolism and, and there's a lot of spiritual interpretation and the ideal of prophecy is kind of diluted to, to nothing because it's all about symbolism and allegory and, and all these different meanings. Um, there's also an approach where, where, you know, half the things were fulfilled and then the other half are futuristic you know and so they try to say that some things happened when the destruction of the temple happened in 70 AD and then the rest of it is futuristic uh, some people like to to uh, to approach this you know where you basically have a historical look at things and also a spiritual look at things this was popular uh, by some of the the people back in the day, John Wycliffe, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Isaac Newton, and uh, even Albert Barnes, who was this great American theologian who basically would simplify the Bible and make it understandable for people. And so there's different ways you could approach it. Some like to, and then also there's the futuristic approach where there's this idea that, that this is written for a future time. And, um, and, and what, what it does is it puts a lot of the weight on the prophecies that are being revealed here. And I do believe that, that there is a, a, a simple guide that you can use and how you approach the book of Revelation. And I'll explain the way I, I approach it and, and your method or however you want to look at it. That's up to you. That's fine. But I, uh, I like to keep things simple. You know, if you try to make things too complicated... Um, it, it doesn't usually work. Uh, when, when we would play football in our neighborhood, we, we had a couple houses down and, and, and you know, in our neighborhood we had this big old area that was open and we used to have teams of football and, and so we usually get 10, 12 on a team. I mean, we had some large, a lot of kids in the neighborhood and uh, we would all meet in the huddle. Okay, what's the play? You know, and then you'd have the quarterback. All right, listen, I want you to go and I want you to run a skinny post and I want you to come and do this and I want you to do that and all this. And you come and you put guards, you pull. And, 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 and what happens is, is as soon as they hike the ball, everyone just ran, right? And there was, we were trying to be complicated, but the simple things are are usually what works, you know, guys, go get open, guys, go get, you know, get open, I'll, I'll get you the ball, and, 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 and simplicity is the way I like to approach scripture, and so this is what guides me, and so just give you a couple, uh, a couple of uh, approaches that I do, first of all, I recognize that the book of Revelation is simply a book about prophecy, uh, verse 3 tells us, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy it says it right there that these are the words of prophecy and so I keep that in mind that prophecy in the Bible always deals with futuristic events in the future maybe some far off maybe some closer but prophecy deals with things of a future event in Genesis um, Jesus or the Lord told Eve that her seed um, would produce a savior that would crush the head of Satan that was a prophecy of a future event, and it happened thousands of years later. And so the, the problem with prophecy for, for us is that, number one, we're not, we don't always understand. Uh, as a, if, you're, if God gives you a prophecy, the problem is you don't always understand what God is telling you. And, and the second thing is, is you don't always understand the time that it's going to be fulfilled. And so when God tells you something and, and it gives you a prophecy... 
we don't always understand the context of when, when it's going to happen or where it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. So there is some you know, problems with prophecy, but, but this book is about prophecy. It says it in verse, one, uh, verse 3, chapter 1, that the words of this prophecy. So I believe, first of all, we've got to remember that this is a book about prophecy. Second, um, how do we handle symbolism? You know, how do we handle symbolism? The, the, the wide use of symbols in Revelation is usually interpreted by the direct reference of its implication. They're often explained and used in the scripture itself. Just in chapter one, you see the seven stars and the seven angels and, the, and, and yet the seven lampstands. And yet the Lord explains what it is in the same chapters. Seven stars represent the seven angels. The seven lampstands represent the seven churches. In chapter 12, the woman and the child represent Israel and Christ. And so in, in the book itself, you start to understand that it explains itself. Uh, you can also interpret things according to their natural meaning, meaning unless the context clearly indicates something otherwise. Basically, I'm saying this. Don't read into scripture what you want, but just read scripture and let it and the power of the Holy Spirit teach you what he's trying to tell you. Just simply read it and take it at its face value and it will, it will begin to, you'll begin to understand it clearer. Also, let the book of Revelation stand on its own. And what I mean by that is that sometimes we like to, we like to confuse things a lot more than is necessary. Um, there's a lot of reference in the Old Testament. There's a lot of reference, a lot of imagery that pulls from the Old Testament. And it's a very important and beautiful thing that, that is happening in the book of Revelation. Um, but this book was written for us. This book was written for people. It wasn't written for scholars and theologians. God didn't say up in heaven saying, okay, listen, I'm going to write this book and it's not going to be until like 2,000 years later where people will actually get it because I'm going to send this wise scholar named Ortega and he's going to explain it, right? He, he wrote it for you and me. He wrote it for people. And the reason why I know this, because how does it start off the, this chapter? Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near the Lord is saying that this is for you and if you read it you hear it you take it to heart you're going to be blessed by it so this book is for us but you must let it stand on its own don't try to just make certain things fit in from one part of the Bible into the book of Revelation and make Revelation fit into other parts of the Bible let it stand on its own now it's all one story and it all goes together but what do I mean by that well I'll give you one of my greatest examples. And when I was talking to a pastor one time, and we were talking about the day of Pentecost, and we were kind of getting this little Bible study together, and, and uh, we were talking about the day of Pentecost, and he came across chapter 2, and this is what they read. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so as soon as this was read, and everyone knew that I was you know, the only Pentecostal preacher there, the only one that believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they looked at me and right away someone said, ha ha, this is explained because in John chapter 7, the Bible tells us that up to that time the Spirit had not been given. Because John did say that in chapter 7. 
It says by this he meant, because Jesus said that the, the, there will be rivers of living water flowing from you. And in verse uh, 39 of chapter 7 says, by this he meant that the spirit whom who believe in him would later receive up to the time the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So, aha, the portion of scripture that we read in Acts chapter 2, that outpouring and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that you refer to, the speaking in tongues, that is because up to that time, no one had the Holy Spirit. But now that Pentecost came, everyone has the Holy Spirit. So, you know, don't, don't go teaching anything about about tongues and, 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 and stuff like that because this is what it says. And I said, oh, okay. Okay, cool. Then I started to ask questions. Well, wait a minute. What does John 7 say? John 7 says, rivers of living water would flow from within them. And by this, Jesus meant the spirit whom had not believed, who would believe in him later would receive up to that time the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. Hmm. Interesting, because later on in John chapter 20, what does Jesus say? He said this, on the evening of the first day of the week, when his disciples together, when the doors were locked and the fears of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood there among them. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, this is important because Jesus appears to his disciples when? After the resurrection. After what? He's been glorified. This is way before Pentecost. This is right after his resurrection. Jesus appears to disciples and says, look, here's my hands. Here's my side. It's me. They rejoice. And then what does Jesus say? Um, he says that peace with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Verse 22 says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So, what you're saying is that the Holy Spirit didn't come until Pentecost because John said that at that time the Holy Spirit wasn't given. Hmm. So when Jesus said to them, peace be with you, as the Father sent me, I send you, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus is there. He breathes on them. <sighs> receive the Holy Spirit. But don't worry. You're not going to receive it until the day of Pentecost happens. I, I forgot to put that in the book of John, but, but I just want to just let you know that that's not going to happen until it. No, that's not what it says. Because if you let the book of John stand on its own, you see that John says, up to this time, the Holy Spirit wasn't given yet. Why? Because Jesus wasn't glorified. They still had a temple with the presence of God in there. But when Jesus died, the curtain tore open. When he rose from the dead, no longer does God need a temple to dwell in, but now he can dwell inside of us. And so he tells his disciples, because you believe in me, I'm going to send you just as the Father sent me and receive the Holy Spirit. It literally means the time for the Spirit is now. And he breathed on them. You see, Luke wrote his book, Luke and Acts. John wrote his gospel, the book of John. Let the books stand on their own. Then we can go back and see how they all tie together. And we can go back and see the harmony. And so when you read the book of Revelation, read it. And just understand that 
that it's going to explain itself and you're going to see what it means within the book. And, and you read this book as a whole. You read this book as a unit, not just take slices here and there and make it fit your theology. So that's what I mean by let it stand on its own. And fi- finally, uh, the way I approach, the guidelines that I approach is I try to remove myself from the equation. Um, you got to remove yourself from the equation because sometimes we bring in our own judgments, our own ideas, and we start to read into Scripture things that aren't there. Uh, another example is in Mark 7. I was talking to a friend who, um, who believed that we should all be eating like a Jew, which, you know, you should have your, your regulations on the types of food that you can eat. And he was, you know, basically saying you can't eat pork, you can't do the things that are unclean. And I said, well, can you explain this to me? In Mark chapter 7, it says this. Jesus says, are you so dull? And uh, don't you see nothing that enters the person from the outside can defile them? For it does not go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out the body. And this is a, Mark is giving a little commentary here. And so Jesus says that it's what goes into their heart. It doesn't go into the heart, but into the stomach and then out the body. And in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. And I said, well, explain this to me. You told me that, that, um, you know, that, that we're supposed to live like a, a, a Jewish person. They're supposed to eat like a Jewish diet. But here in Mark, it says that all foods are clean. Jesus declared all foods are clean. And this is what they, he, he said. And he was a very smart man, very smart man. But he said this, oh, that's easy. Because, see, Mark is writing to people who know the Jewish laws. And so they know the foods they're supposed to and they said, wait a minute, but that's not what it says. What it says is that he's declaring that all foods are clean. And, and Mark is writing to an audience that lives in Rome. Mark is writing to the Roman world. He's writing to people that aren't Jews. And he's trying to, he's trying to let them know that Jesus declared all foods are clean. And so what happens is, is that when we start to have our own ideas of Scripture, our own theories, and, and our own beliefs, we're going to read that into Scripture just like if you believe that God wants you to just be rich, filthy rich, everything you read is going to be about being filthy rich, prosper, prosper, prosper. If you think that we're supposed to suffer every day of our life, everything you read is about suffer, suffer, suffer. And so we got to remove ourselves from the equation. And this is the beautiful thing about Scripture is that if you allow the Holy Spirit to guide and teach you, He will. Just take yourself out of it and say, Holy Spirit, Show me what you want to, to show me. Teach me what you want to teach me. I'm listening. And, and all of a sudden, you're going to see Scripture come alive. And so that's the way I guide myself when it comes to how I approach not just the book of Revelation, but just the Bible in itself. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't try to... Um, I try to take the context of what I'm reading, a book about prophecy, a narrative book, or, you know, in, in the technical terms, we call this the genre, you know, what is it? Is it, is it you know, a historical book? Is it, is it a prophecy book and so forth? You know, so I try to approach it like that, and, and, uh, and, and I, don't, I don't try to read into symbolism too much. I try to let the scripture explain it. Um, I let the books stand on their own, you know, the author's writing this as a complete unit, and so I, tr- I just try to let the book that I'm into staying on its own at that time. And then also I try to remove myself from the equation and, um, and try to get my own biases out of the way. And it's hard, but the Holy Spirit will guide and teach you. So, so that's kind of how I approach 
Bible study, how we're going to approach the book of Revelation, I don't think it's a complicated story. I was once talking to someone, a friend, and I said, hey, what do you think about the book of Revelation? Oh, it's too complicated. It's just, I don't even touch it. I'm like, wait a minute. It's kind of like, like in the Bible, you know, it's kind of a part of it, you know, and, and, uh, and, and so I don't think God wants us to approach it that way. He wrote it for us, and, and so let's look at the first three verses this morning. Revelation chapter 1 says this, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending the angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words aloud of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. This is the prologue. This is the unveiling. This is the introduction of what is about to come forth. And if you look at this, there are some very important things for us to grab from this verse. And so we need to make sure that our attention is heightened. Our focus is sharp because there is something that's going to happen here, that there is a blessing that is going to happen. And so we must look out for it. First of all, we must understand that this is from Jesus. The Bible says the revelation from Jesus Christ. This is from him. This is personally said, hey, angel, I want you to go tell John who's stuck on this island. I want you to go tell him what I am going to tell you. This is from Christ himself. This is not just from someone, you know, like when my daughters, I would tell my daughters, hey, it's time to do dishes, you know. And so they would say, okay. And, and I would say, well, where's your sister? Uh, she's downstairs playing in her room or she's in her room doing this or, you know, or, or bathroom. It seems like every time dishes come around, everyone's got to go to the bathroom. But when I say go get your sister to help, they don't go with their own authority. Hey, Olivia. Hey, Ellie. Hey, Lily. I want you to get in here and do dishes. They go with the authority that I gave them. And they come down and they'll say, listen, Olivia, dad's really upset with you and wants you to do all of the dishes by yourself. I'm just saying that's what dad said. You know, they come with the fact that this is from dad. And right away we see in the book of Revelation, this is from Jesus Christ. It's to sharpen our focus. So first of all, this is from Christ. Second of all, it was given to us. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to show his servants. This letter was meant for us as a church, past and present. This letter was meant for us. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Over the next several chapters, Jesus says this to the church. Whoever has ears, let them hear. You don't need to be a scholar to understand the mystery. You don't need to, to, to be some uh, person who has all of these resources, all of these commentaries, all of these things to help you understand the book of Revelation because Jesus told us this in John 14, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Look at what Jesus says, that the Holy Spirit, who is coming by the authority of Christ, will teach you all things except the book of Revelation. 
right? You cannot take that out of the equation. We can read the book of Revelation all by ourselves in any version you want, any translation you desire, and you will still be able to be guided and directed because the Holy Spirit will give you the understanding. God did not send this book just for scholars or just to confuse people, but he gave it to us to prepare us. This is the third point, to prepare us for the moment. First of all, this is from Jesus. Second of all, it was given, it was from Jesus. Second of all, it's given to us. And third, it is to prepare us for the moment. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. The word soon means quickly, rapidly, in a short time. And when you hold on to God's promises, I want to tell you, it will happen soon. It will happen soon. We went out and celebrated um, on January 29th. January 29th was a very special day for my wife and I. And uh, we went out and celebrated uh, just, you know, uh, just this last Friday. And, and we're all excited because January 29th is a special day for me and my wife. And, um, and we're out there and we're celebrating. And I was looking at my journal the mor- uh, Friday morning and I saw that God promised me that he was going to do something for us on January 29th. And he said, soon, soon. His ideal of soon wasn't my ideal because when he told me that, it was in 2017. And two years, or sorry, three years later, God did it. Soon. And, and so our ideal of soon, our ideal of quickly is not always the, the idea that we want or the time frame that we want, but God says, listen, I want you to have this message because what is going to happen is going to happen soon. We need to be prepared for the moment. Once again, Revelation Chapter 1, verse 3 says this, Blessed is he who reads the words aloud of this prophecy and is blessed by those who hear it and take it to heart and written in it because the time is near. I want you to know, first of all, that this is a book, a revelation that is from Jesus Christ. It was given to us to prepare us for this moment. That's the, the meat and potatoes of the book of Revelation. And yet, after Jesus kind of establishes the, the, the framework here, the rules on which we are going to, to engage in the book, he says this, blessed is the one who reads it aloud, the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart. The idea that God himself, Jesus, is going to tie a blessing to this is such a cool thing. Now, I, I read the New Testament several times a year. I'm not, I'm not bragging or anything. It's just this way I like to read my Bible. I go through the book of Revelation several times a year. And periodically, I will literally just read it out loud. I would read it. Why? Because the Bible says I'm blessed. If I read the words out loud, I'm blessed. So I encourage you. Just continue to know that when you read the book of Revelation, look at that first sentence as we start off. This is from Jesus, and he wants to give it to us to prepare us for what is going to happen soon. And he ties into it a blessing, a blessing. What does that mean, Pastor? What does it mean that he's going to bless us? I don't know. It just means happy more. 
And happiness is not tied to a situation because you could be blessed even if you're suffering. You could be blessed even if you don't have everything you want. The ideal of blessing isn't tied to happiness. It's tied to being overwhelmingly happy because of God. And so I encourage you, as the homework that you have for this next several weeks, just read the book of Revelation. And if you have never read the book of Revelation out loud, I encourage you, do it. And watch the Lord bless you. Watch the Lord do what he's promised. Like I said, I'm excited about this um, because it's one of my favorite books. This is from Jesus, written to us to prepare us for this moment. And like I said earlier, God is preparing our country for a moment. And I believe that he's coming back soon. And I pray that we would be ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you give us this book, Lord, that Jesus, you sent it to us. These are your words so that we can receive what we need to know in order to be prepared for this moment. I pray as a church, Lord, we would always be prepared. God, as a church, we would be prepared for the moment that we face, and I believe that the moment is the end times. I believe that the moment is sooner than we think. And so, Lord, help us to be prepared. But, Lord, as the people start to read this book and as the people start to read this prophecy, I pray they would read it out loud. God, I pray they would literally just read it out loud and as a result, do what you promised. Bless them. Bless them in every area of their life, in their health, in their finances, their relationships, their careers, their, their work, wherever it is, bless them. And Lord, fulfill your words to your church. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.